Welcome to The Depth. I am your host, Carl Thomas. We have Nikki Machen, author and outreach and community development worker for Gay and Grey Montreal on this episode. Gay and Grey Montreal is a social, mutual aid, and sensitization network for English-speaking LGBTQIA plus individuals over 50 in Montreal and the surrounding area. Um, for more information uh, to their website, um, please look in our details. So, a year later, we finally decided to release the episode with Nikki. It's like that movie you have been waiting for uh, that just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. First, it was audio issues, which is okay, I guess, now. Um, then the timing, then time went by, and boom, a year later. Um, so I hope you forgive us for our lateness, Nikki, because this episode is, is really, really a good one. Um, for our listeners, um, sort of a way for us to, to be pardoned, we left the off-pod conversation in. It's about like five minutes where me and Nikki, um, you know, we just talk about uh, everyday life before starting the pod. So I hope uh, you enjoy. And, and uh, Nikki, again, um, I hope you tune in to your own episode because it's, it was really, really a good one. Start the pod. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find it interesting because I, I do. Um, so we've been working on a gay and great podcast. Yeah. And then I also, previous to that, was doing a music podcast. Um, so it's it's interesting to see the different approaches and and it does start to take shape the more the more of them you do and as you progress through it uh, you change your editing style to suit whatever the project is so it's a neat process for sure what what kind of uh what kind of approach that you use when you use uh let's say for both what's the difference between like the musical podcast and uh and like for for the gay and gray podcast what kind of approach that you tend to use Well, it's, it's actually, uh, those two podcasts are way more different than I expected them to be. Yeah. Uh, go to it because the, my music podcast, uh, called unknown artist, Ooh. I, so I, I bring in, uh, musicians who are local musicians, usually people that I know or have come across, uh, in open mics and things like that. And they, they come into the studio and we go, we do one song and then we talk for about. 15, 20 minutes, and then we do another song and talk for another 15, 20 minutes. And so I don't plan those podcasts. We just go into it with, you know, whatever, whatever comes out of that music tends mm -hmm. to inform whatever the conversation will end up being. And so it becomes very natural. And because we're, we're not just, you know, putting the music in there, we're actually in the studio listening to this song. And then that space afterwards that's been transformed by the music really changes the dynamic in the, in the interview, the conversation. And, uh, and so it, it really flows naturally. And then when I edit it together, I'll take a little clip of the music, uh, a little instrumental part of that, and just loop that underneath very quietly, very softly underneath What? our conversation. Oh, yeah, that is so, it, so cool. It creates this wonderful energy, and I, I absolutely love it. And it, it's a it's a fantastic podcast that I've been working on, and I have I've got two seasons of it already. I'm working on the third, but things are slow with with uh, COVID being what they are, and I'm For really sure. cautious. 
because I am now working with seniors and I, you know, <laughs> I am so cautious. <laughs> I don't want to pass anything on to them. So for the most part, when I'm, you know, I, I don't actually see many of uh, the members of Gay and Grey in person. It's very rare that I actually see them. But for the podcast, I do like to bring them into the studio because uh, because it does allow that sort of relaxed environment. We can speak over one another and it's okay. And, you know, there's not going to be any sort of issues with that. Um, and it's also, you know, some social contact that we're both craving because we're, we're really uh, not getting any of that. And for people who are over 50 who don't really communicate the same ways as, you know, the like 30 and below tend to communicate through the internet, you know, the, mm-hmm. the level of technical savvy is not quite the same, though it, there's huge differences within the population. Like, you know, some of our members are actually quite tech savvy and then others, you know, only have phone. And uh, so when we're going into a podcast recording, um, it's just really nice to have that, you know, we're in person, we're there, we're physically distanced mm-hmm. um, quite one another and because of the microphones and the headphones we're able to do that and not yeah 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 nice it's really nice. <laughs> oh, that's really and, cool uh, yeah and and because i'm you know i these are in contrast to the the unknown artist podcast where they're usually people that i already kind of know um and i'm already kind of familiar with them oftentimes they're my friends Shifting into working with um, the Gay and Grey podcast, a lot of the my guests, I'm just getting to know them. I didn't know them before, so I'm sitting there as essentially the the audience who will be listening to the podcast is experiencing it, and so I am having similar sort of questions and wonder and, mm-hmm. and like, how did this happen and what happened then and and there's a, a lot of curiosity involved and For sure, you're and intrigued, yeah. Yeah, it's really fun because I, you know, I'll just start off with asking where they're from and, you know, as we progress through their li- lives, we hear so many interesting stories and perspectives on different times in history that I wasn't there for. I have no understanding of what that's like to physically be there and to experience that, but through their eyes and through their storytelling, I'm able to experience it and because it's not really planned beforehand, it's very natural and um and they get excited about telling someone telling me and sure yeah what what is Uh, that podcast called it's just the gay and gray podcast okay okay all right that's simple title it doesn't need one it stands alone yeah yeah okay so uh if, if you want if you don't mind can i keep that segment of conversation that we just had i thought that was pretty cool i thought we were already recording okay yeah we are we are for sure but but yeah but no i want i want to keep that part also um yeah. all right nikki we we could start like uh do you want to start by introducing yourself um who you work for and yeah go ahead hi my name is lynn worrell i'm the founder of a community organization called word writing our rhymes down and i am a youth worker at the careful jeunesse emploi of ndg Hi, my name is Carl Thomas. I'm a community worker for Prevention Codenege NDG, and welcome to The Dep. The Dep, a podcast about community service work in your neighborhood. Sure. Uh, my name is Nikki Machen, and I am the 
outreach and community development worker for Gay and Gray, Gay and Gray Montreal. I think I should be specific, uh, yeah. even though I don't know if there's any other Gay and Grays, but, uh, but Gay and Gray Montreal. We are a social group for LGBTQ uh, people who are over the age of 50 uh, and who speak English. You don't necessarily have to speak English as your first language. Uh, we certainly have Francophones who are interested in being a part of our group and who are a part of our group. There are new immigrants who may speak English better than they speak French. Um, and we're very open to anyone who wants to be involved in, in any of our activities. So if I had to ask, like, yeah. what, what is gay and gray? Before, like, before the history or how it started and everything, like, what is it? It's a social group for LGBTQ uh, seniors who speak English. Okay, but when you mean like a social group, is it is it sort of like a place that that we meet and that we hang out? Is it um, a community, let's say, um, that's on a different pe platform? Um, I know we spoke about you know different platforms using via internet or whatnot, but let's say, is it a Yes, a social group, but I, I'm trying to get like a grasp, understanding of like, do you guys meet once a week or is it like sort of like a, 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 a senior Maison des Jeunes style or? So uh, it's a very new organization, so it's constantly okay. changing, but it started in 2018 and before COVID, they were meeting once a week on Fridays for lunch and they were just gathering and hanging out and, and getting to know each other, uh, building community. And occasionally they will have potlucks, they'll have movie nights, nice. they'll go out to museums and, you know, the kinds of things that you would do with your friends because mm -hmm. they're, they're building friendships. And uh, since COVID, things, we've brought it all online. So we're actually meeting more frequently because we don't have any sorts of issues with having to go to a physical space yeah. so that up a lot of time and, and energy and we don't have to worry about that anymore so we actually have a few zoom chats a week uh awesome. so i just came from one uh mm -hmm. before recording this <laughs> we do one on fridays at lunch and on tuesdays at lunch and uh we've tried out a few different other evenings so uh, we've done like movie nights where I'll just kind of stream movies from my laptop and then we talk about them. And really? uh, that has to be so cool. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You, the trick is you have to have very good internet. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, and which is not necessarily the case for a lot of our members. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's helpful that I have good internet because it seems to be most important that the host has good internet. For sure. Because you're the one streaming, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's been, it's been really fun doing that. We've, you've done a couple movies per month and, uh, and it's been really nice just watching different movies and having different reactions. And, you know, when you watch something, you get really invested in it and, uh, and it'll bring up all sorts of memories. So often we'll have very interesting conversations after that. Uh, we've also had, um, a series of intergenerational nights where, Mostly I invite my LGBTQ friends and mm -hmm. uh, we just come and hang out and I'll say, hey, this is 
this is my friend tonight and uh, this is who they are. This is their identity in terms of our community. Uh, and we just get to know each other. And it's nice to have those, those um, bridges between generations so that there's some sort of understanding and, and uh, you know, our eyes are opened on both ends, right? And uh, we started, we're going to be doing a games night um, and we've been doing intergenerational conferences, which are basically our intergenerational nights that we're doing, you know, on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we switched that to a larger platform sort of thing where it, I'm, it's open to non-members and uh, we do a lot more heavy promotion because most of our, our closed uh, events within our membership, we don't advertise to other people. We might, on Instagram, I'll say that we're doing them, but I'm not sending out any links. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whereas with our big intergenerational conference, we did one in December and we had, well, we had probably about 50 people who, um, who came to that from, you know, 50 plus to the sort of, uh, like 18 to 30 and then in between. And we, we had sort of age balanced breakout rooms in zoom and we would, you know, talk to one another about our experiences with coming out being in the closet, what that mm-hmm. means. To, and we were really building a lot of that sort of foundational community work. Um, and it was really gorgeous to see. So we're doing another one next week, January 28th. Uh, and we're doing it in the evening so that more people can come, even if they're working during the day. And uh, I'm very excited to, to see how this goes. We've, we've had amazing reception with that. And uh, part of the reason that or one of the things that we talked about when I was being interviewed for this position is that the membership of Gay and Gray has such a wealth of experience, so much knowledge, so much history, and they really want to be able to pass that to the next generation. But there weren't really too many ways of doing that. And uh, so I've been working on the podcast as a way of doing that, working on our intergenerational events as a way of uh, communicating that that knowledge, that history, and we're we're constantly evolving and seeing seeing how things go uh, as my my job progresses. Nikki, seriously, I have. Don't get me wrong. Although I'm listening to what you're saying, I have so many questions that I want to ask you um, about about ask- not only Gang Gray but about you also. Um, I'm gonna start with this. I'm a big fan of storytelling. Like I, I could sit for hours listening to people, um, you know, share stories, reason for, for this podcast. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of storytelling. I'm all about active listening, not interrupting. Um, can, can you, if you're allowed, of course, um, share some of the stories that you may have heard over those meetings, over those discussion? It doesn't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to drop the names or whatnot, but just some of the stories that those um, the, the seniors shared with you guys that, that got to you or was different at a time. Like, um, give us like a perspective of how it was during their time versus like now. Well, I think one thing that has been really eye-opening for me is that there is no one way. Every, every person's experience of of the past 
is very unique and very mm. different. We have, you know, some members who, uh, you know, because they came out at a time shortly thereafter or, or maybe just before the um, decriminalization of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. So depending on what their family relationships were like at that time, they may have lost their family by coming out. Some of them are mm-hmm. still in the closet. Uh, there's, there's huge variability because there's, you know, there's differences in, in social values and, and those differences were so extreme. I mean, nowadays it, it's very, um, frowned upon to, to be, uh, negative towards the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. You know, there things, if you do have any homophobia, it's, usually kind of tethered a little bit like <laughs> hidden a little bit and uh at that time you know when when we're talking about homosexuality being illegal it was very much like if there was any hint that you may be gay at all in any way we're likely to experience a lot of very negative things yeah and so there's huge amounts of trauma for some people but then you know, there's other members who had very understanding parents who were very open-minded and were in metropolitan areas where it didn't matter as much. It wasn't as, as difficult to, to live your life as a gay person. So there's huge differences, um, first of all. <laughs> and, uh, and then even amongst our group, we're based in Montreal, but because these these people who are, who are members of Gay and Grey, they're in Montreal now, but they didn't necessarily come from Montreal. Good so point. we have yeah. people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they have just very different experiences. And, uh, you know, for instance, there's uh, one member who uh, is Scottish and was talking about cottaging. And I, I was thinking, what is cottaging? What is that, what is that word? What is and cottaging? <laughs> cottaging uh, is essentially what we would refer to as cruising, but at a time before you would be, you know, in the bars, you would go and meet up in like public washrooms and uh, like in parks, and that was considered cottaging, cottaging. Uh, like going to parks huh. to like have sexual escapades. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cottaging. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's super interesting. I just learned something new. That's awesome. Yeah, and then, you know, then there's, like, some some of our members um, were never really hugely connected to the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Other members, um, for instance, like David Cassidy, who's one of our board members, and he's the first guest on our podcast, he talks about his huge amount of activism work and, and creating organizations, founding organizations, and all of the work that he did during the AIDS crisis and, and beyond. And, you know, there's, there's been amazing, um, I mean, I keep using the word amazing. <laughs> it's true. It's so amazing uh, to, to listen to these stories and, and hear what it was like to live through the AIDS crisis as a gay man. What is it like to be a lesbian in, in the gay community? You know, yeah. uh, there's huge differences among our membership and it's uh i'm i'm so excited to continue to to discover these stories 
We're just at the beginning. I've only actually recorded four sessions so far. Uh, and, and I have so many more plans for, for much more. imagine like you guys you guys don't see nikki right now but your face is like it's it's it it says it all like it says how much you love um your work and are and is passionate about it um about you like how did this start like how did you find gay and gray how did you manage to to, to be able to work there like what was the process like who are you nikki <laughs> yeah who are you i mean i think that the simple answer is i saw their ad for the for the position but mm -hmm. <laughs> I like what, that. what I, drew me to that position yeah, yeah. And, and what made me interested in applying but i like uh, that answer too well i saw the ad and i applied <laughs> but yeah <laughs> I saw the ad i applied i said it's perfect for me and they agreed and here i am <laughs> but uh so okay Let's go into, let's story time with Nikki. Yes. I, my first kiss was with uh, the, the woman, the, the girl up the street. We were children. Uh, and mm. so my first kiss was a lesbian kiss. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't really like register what had happened. I didn't quite understand it. But I grew up in a very, very homophobic area. Uh, it was a very small town, Ontario. So rural Ontario, for those who are not familiar with rural Ontario, uh, is very conservative. Um, everyone is very aware of their roles. You know, you have a lot of uh, women tend to be housewives or nurses. Um, men tend to be carpenters and they all go hunting. You know, there were weeks at a time where all of the guys in the class were gone because they were hunting. So it's a very traditional place. Nikki, are we I'm, talking about the same time period that I'm thinking about? <laughs> I'm 32. Yeah, same here. So that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Are we talking about the same time? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, you different know, different part of town, I guess. Yeah, well, my town was 6,000 people. Mm, mm -hmm. So when you have a population that's small, and especially a lot of those people had been there their families had been there for generations so there wasn't a it was fairly insular there wasn't a whole lot of um you know outside influence yeah and so i like growing up i didn't i didn't realize that i was you know a part of the lgbtq community or or what part of that community i would be a part of mm -hmm. uh, and and yet everyone else seemed to know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really? I was picked on all the time for, you know, I was called dyke, whatever, like in very negative ways. Um, I know that that word can be uh, recontextualized and reclaimed. But at the time, in like the 90s, no, that was not that was not a fun experience. And so I, I experienced firsthand a lot of the homophobia that um, that a lot of our membership experienced because, you know, my small town was about 50 years behind uh, everybody else. <laughs> so uh, maybe 50, 50 is uh, an exaggeration, mm -hmm. but it was behind the times. Um, and then from because of that, I developed a lot of internalized homophobia. I ended up 
marrying a man very young um, and kind of hidden in that relationship for many reasons, but we'll not get into that as several hours of conversation there. For sure. Uh, And then when I was like 25, I thought like, why am I married? What's going on? My life is crazy. I had a near death experience. um, So I, that really put things into perspective. Like I I had a couple life-saving surgeries and, you know, it was very, um, my, my grasp on life was not that strong. Mm. And coming out of that, I realized I really had to change a lot of the things that I was doing in my life. And I really had to re-examine things. And I started, I, I got a divorce. I started exploring life. And through that, I, you know, started becoming a part of the spoken word scene. I was in Guelph at the time, Guelph, Ontario. And I became a slam poet, a musician. I started experimenting with Dope. different styles of relationships with Dope. different types of people and, and, discovering that about myself Mm -hmm. then i moved to montreal because i thought you know bigger and better things yes let's go to a bigger city and and figure this out and montreal has a fantastic gay scene and um and i was all for it (laughs) and uh and in montreal i i continued to do uh poetry and you know started working on music stuff started working on my podcast and and i realized through all of this that i just really love storytelling i really love connecting with people i've i have an educational background uh, in uh, psychology oh okay yeah so i I studied psychology in my undergrad i have an honors ba in that and and i've done a lot of active listening in my life um through various organizations i was part of the student support network when i was in university and then when i came to montreal i I did similar active listening with uh, the Concordia. The Gender Advocacy Center <laughs> has an active listening program. And I went through that. And, uh, and I've been an active listener at music festivals. And so lots of different contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still the same sort of basic skills. And I've also been very nerdy with uh, website stuff and online whatever stuff. So. Um, between all of those skills, when I saw what they were looking for, for gay and gray, I thought like, this is amazing. I like, I'm, I plan events all the time for music and poetry. I am storytelling all of the time and I'm connecting communities and building communities, you know, throughout all of my life, you know, I, I've connected to different communities and built the communities around me because the communities I was born into did not suit me. So I think because I had to find community because I'm a human <laughs> and uh, all of that has, has brought me into being really skilled at creating communities and, and understanding what makes people feel close to one another. And so I brought that to my work with Gang Gray and, and used that to really open up the existing membership, to grow the membership. Um, reaching out to different organizations and just, just kind of being a friendly person. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's taken me pretty far. <laughs> we've, we've gained tons of members since I started. Um, and, uh, and it just keeps on growing. And we, we recently were um, interviewed for CBC Montreal and that 
brought new members in, our intergenerational conferences are bringing new members in, and we're constantly growing um, and shifting and changing. When I first saw the posting for Gay and Grey, I immediately I thought gay men, mm-hmm. and I think most people do. But then I met them and I, I went on their website and I saw like, oh, well, on their website, they're saying that they're open to the whole LGBTQ spectrum. That's interesting. I didn't expect that. And so I thought like this, this group really needs to get that message across and almost rebrand, but they didn't want to change the name. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of right, so- though. There, there is the aspect of like. Once you say like gay and gray, for some reason, for for some particular reason, it does, like it it tails to men first. It does. Well, yeah, because when, so gay, well, back when I was a a kid, (laughs) 50 years ago. (laughs) uh, Listen, 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 let, let, let me, let me cut you off for two seconds. 32 is an amazing age, by the way. We're not that old. We're not that young, but it's it's like the perfect age. That's that's how I, I see it. it. Okay, okay. So you, we're we're not old. We're like no, we're not old. Um, I'm just making a joke from my small town being mm, okay. so much in the past. Okay, okay. Yeah, with with old values. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I am quite young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness, what was I saying? Uh, you were talking about the aspect of the website, right? The gay and gray? Right. Oh, I was talking about um, the, the term gay. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, uh, there was just gay or straight. There yeah. wasn't, it wasn't an LGBTQ community. That was not a thing. For sure. You didn't do it as that. You were just either gay or straight. Yeah. And uh, bisexuality also was like a myth somehow. People just didn't believe that that existed. Uh, or we would put it in the category of being gay. Well, yeah. Um, but at the time, there was also this idea that bisexuality just did, wasn't a true sexuality. I agree. There, yeah. yeah, people just assumed, like, there was one kid I remember saying, yes, I am bi. And everybody was like, no, you're really just gay, though. Exactly. Just yeah, yeah. You're just scared of saying it, so you're just gay. Yeah. And I think that that does sometimes happen. There are some people who, you know, they're, they're, they see bisexuality as, like, a less confrontational identity. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a good transition for some people. Yeah. So, legitimately, that does happen. But it is also a legitimate sexuality in and of itself. Um, but that's not really the, the straight sort of view of things. It's you're either straight or you're gay. Mm-hmm. Then we started opening up and, and, um, you know, women were identifying as lesbians as opposed to being gay. And then we just started adding more and more letters to, you know, recognize and, um, respect the, the very different identities within the community. So that we're not just painted as as one thing because we're not just one thing many things and that's why we're a rainbow it's a spectrum nice <laughs> but i think there's something really nice about having an umbrella term and a, a word that is unifying i don't know if gay is really it i think i'm 
personally, I prefer the, the word queer. Mm. But not everyone feels that way. And especially a lot of older um, LGBTQ folks really don't feel comfortable with that word. And I think... They would, they would be more comfortable with gay. I think so. Okay. That's, that's what I'm told. Okay. <laughs> that's what they tell me. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so certainly some of the, the people who are members of Gay and Grey definitely feel very comfortable with the word queer. They identify that way, but it's not everyone. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, we're in this kind of tr- tricky space where we don't really know what the best way to refer to ourselves is. But then when I think of the way that I casually talk with my friends, you know, my friends who are, some of them are trans, some of them are lesbians, some of them are gay men, some of them are bi, we all just say we're gay. (laughs) And so within the community, there's a lot of use of the word gay. But I think because if you're outside of the community, you're really hesitant to get the wrong word. And gay men have been like, you know, gay has been referred to as men very often. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people are hesitant to use that word because they don't want to exclude anyone. And I get that. And that's super valid. Um, but it can also be an umbrella term, and that's how we use it. Feeling stuck about your professional life? Not sure if this is the right job for you? Looking for a job? Why don't you come by the Carrefour Jeunesse Emploi of Notre Dame de Grasse? We're part of a larger network for people between the ages of 15 and 35. However, the Carrefour in NDG is the only one on the island of Montreal that offers services for 35 and older. Or check us out at cje-ndg.com, that's cje-ndg.com. Call us at 514-482-6665. If you press zero, you'll get our front desk. And our address is 6370 Sherbrooke West, right near Benny and Sherbrooke. Hope you are well. Hope we can offer you some ideas on how to get unstuck. Take care. And, and, and by the way, thank you for sharing your story. That was, that was pretty awesome. So, <laughs> so if if I would if I would ask um if I would ask you don't start that way see that's why the power of editing right um so asking the question of what's next for for gang gray what do you envision in your position um let's say further down the line when it's all over with the with the covid factor What's happening with Gang Gray and what's happening with Nikki? Well, that's, that's very difficult to answer uh, because the reason that I'm able to do my job at all is because they got a one-year grant that allowed them to have one staff person for 14 hours a week. Okay. <laughs> which okay. is not very much. And when we look at what we're doing, um, it's actually amazing that we're doing all that we are. Mm-hmm. But we have no guarantee that we will have that grant next year or the year after that or the year after that. We have no guarantees of, of financial security. Right now we do, we do charge a membership fee and that's really the best way to like ensure that we can continue to do things. Um, Mm -hmm. But people pay that membership fee as a way of, of supporting the organization and supporting the, the labor that, has to take place in order for all of the social events to happen. 
or people can donate to us. Um, but we're, because we're such a new organization, that's still, we're still figuring out how to best do that. Um, because we don't currently have charity status. So we can't like write someone a receipt, like yeah. a, a charity. So it, it's, it's really, we're in kind of a weird crunch where we're not really sure how things are going to go forward. We're just trying the best that we can. Um, so we have one year oh, <laughs> and we're, we're okay. about halfway through that year uh, with my existence within Gay and Grey um, in my role before we have to really make some tough decisions or or maybe we'll get that grant again and and everything will continue as per normal don't know that at this point mm-hmm. but what i would dearly like to see what i hope for getting gray is that we continue to do the podcast and we continue to create this this body of uh personal histories and can contribute to the history of of our local gay scene because Queer history often is swept under the rug or just not known because we're often in the margins of society. You know, many, especially the older generation, many of them are estranged from their families. We're never able to have children for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Um, Adoption is a very new thing that gay people are allowed to do. Like previous to, you know, the 90s and, and before. You couldn't adopt children if you were gay. And not many people are likely to be in straight relationships long enough to have children for the sake if they know that they're gay. However, that, you know, some people do have children from from straight relationships and marriages. Yeah. Um, It's it's kind of all over the map, but they're much more common or much more likely to not have children. And that is often how we change and, and pass on history and knowledge from one generation to the next is through family ties and we can't really make that same reliance in the gay community so i i really hope that we can contribute to the history of of this of our group you know of our of our community of our people uh so that we can have that sense of being tied and connected to one another uh, and rootedness you know, when, when you realize that, that you're part of that community, it can feel very lonely, very isolating. Uh, so I, like, I don't even know what I would do if, if I was able to then like look up and listen to, you know, hours and hours of people's life stories and realize that, you know, I can be, you know, 75 and gay and that's totally fine. That's a life I can. I like that. (laughs) You know, like, we, we always look at the gay community and we think, um, you know, we, we see a very, a lot of very young people and a lot of the community support focuses on youth because there is such high rates of, of you know, suicide or um, death by violence or like there's a lot of reasons, very good reasons mm-hmm. why I put a lot of resources into youth. But there just aren't as many resources for um, for older adults in in our community. Uh, sorry, I think I'm like forgetting my point. <laughs> no, no, this is this is great. I love hearing you talk. It's like keep keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, if, if I was a baby gay and I could just listen to all these stories, you know, it would give me more hope for the future. I like that. And it, and it has given me more hope for the future because mm-hmm. I, I've often only really thought of myself as getting, I like, I'm surprised I'm this old, you know, I'm surprised I'm 32. I thought I would die at 27. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, my expectations for life. And, and I also had no, no reference point for what it was like to, to grow older yeah. and be part of the community that I'm a part of. Now that's changed a little bit with, you know, since the advent of, of uh, Grace and Frankie. Um, thankfully, we have some sort of, you know, uh, vision of, of what it can be like to be an older gay person. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have that when I was growing up. Uh, I remember it was, like, weird to have, like, there was a huge controversy in, I think, the early 2000s when there was a gay kiss on TV in mm. Will and Grace. Good point. That was, one of, that, that was one of my favorite shows, by the way. <laughs> I love that show. I thought it was hilarious. Like it, it was fantastic. Yeah, amazing. Great. Amazing. <laughs> and yet, even then, people were, like, you know, up in arms about there being a gay kiss. For sure. Meanwhile, there's, like, straight kisses all over the place, and no mm-hmm. one cares. <laughs> 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 That's all I'm going to say with that. <laughs> Listen, Nikki, we're, we're going to wrap it up. Um, okay. Is there this? This was an amazing conversation, by the way. And if you don't mind, would you mind coming back? Um, I, I, I think I said I'm coming on your podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do a session at, at my studio if you want. Great, great. I'll be sold down. And also, would you mind coming back? Um, it's only because we're running out of time. Like I could hear you talk for days. Um, you know about everything. Actually, we we could pick a topic and and shoot the shit on it like anything um yeah i love talking that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a gemini and a performer so um so i love talking that's... great that's that's a great combination then um so is there any last words that you would uh like to to leave to our listeners before we wrap it up well, I think our listeners should definitely check out the Gay and Gray podcast that comes out. Uh, we start releasing episodes January 28th. Uh, please support the podcast. Listen to it. Tell all your friends about it. Um, if you know anyone who's 50 plus and needs that sense of community and, you know, might identify within the LGBTQ spectrum, please let them know about our group. We do a lot of stuff online so you can connect with us. If you're not connected online, because we do events through Zoom, you can still call in. Awesome. Uh, so not having internet is not a problem. <laughs> nice. I like it. And with that, we thank you on behalf of Prevention Codenege and DG and the Debt Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. Here you go.